0: Okay, Jeff Vance, Darrell Revis, Baby
1: is off the board. The New York Jets select. Bakai, Texas, Louisville. fire up the New York Jets. Yeah. Pressure just makes it go a little more. I kind of like pressure a the bit. The New York Jets select.
0: Welcome to another edition of NFL Draft Preview with the Athletics' Dane Bruegler. We're breaking down the quarterbacks today, so let's just dive right into it. Let's start at the top, and with Trevor Lawrence, most people assume one, he's going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Most people assume he was going number one overall since basically he set foot in Death Valley at Clemson. So I guess let's just start with this, Dane. What makes him the best prospect in this class? And is he the generational talent that many have pegged him out to be?
1: I think that's the best way to describe him um, as a generational talent. Um, I don't know that he's a generational quarterback. But I do think he's a generational talent. You know, everything that you're looking for at the quarterback position, he's checking all those boxes, both physically and mentally, Uh, from a size perspective, uh, his arm, his athleticism, his feet, his balance as a passer. Everything he does is quick. Uh, And and that's really what stands out the most to me. Everything that he does is quick and efficient. Uh, Now, sometimes he's too quick and he needs to be a little more patient with his reads and... Um, you know, just uh, be a little more, uh, you know, take a step back. But, you know, for the most part, this is a quick, efficient quarterback who uh, has everything that you want at the position. And I think you, when you watch his uh, 2018, 2019 tape and then his 2020 tape, you see a player that's getting better and better. And so this is not just a talented guy who is, you know, kind of not a, not a polished quarterback. Uh, he is getting better in terms of his reads, in terms of his accuracy. Uh, in terms of his ability to, to hit all three levels uh, with ball placement, uh, with touch. So uh, you factor all of the physical and mental traits uh, as well as the intangibles, and you have a very, very easy number one pick in this class, uh, a player who you feel like is not even close to hitting his ceiling. So Trevor Lawrence, uh, the easy number one pick in this draft. Uh, it would be a complete shock if he is not a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, here in a few months.
0: So you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence, the long presumed number one overall pick for a couple of years now, is still not even close to scratching the surface. That, that's what you're telling us here?
1: And that's part of the reason why he's going number one is because you feel like he's only going to get better and better and better from here. And to be honest with you, I, I feel like that, 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 that phrasing is overused, saying, well, he's only going to get better. You know, I, I feel like people say, just throw that out there. And a lot of the times it's not true. A lot of these guys don't get better. Trevor Lawrence, you feel like is going to continue and get better because the, the talent is so immense and and so impressive. Um, that you know, he's still figuring things out. You know, once you get him out of that Clemson offense and into a new offense, he's gonna learn some new things.
0: If you were to poke holes, not necessarily in Lawrence's game. I mean, you look at his record, he's 34 and two in three seasons, thrown for 90 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, national champion in 2018. But I think that the one question in regards to Lawrence, is how good his supporting cast was and, you know, how much that not weighs into your evaluation, but when you're watching Trevor Lawrence, you're also watching all these different NFL-caliber players catch the ball, run the ball. I mean, Travis Etienne, you think about a guy like Justin Ross who missed this past season, is coming back to Clemson. I mean, there's a lot of talent, so how does that weigh into your evaluation?
1: And not only the on-field talent, but, uh, you know, the play calling and the offense and the way things are set up. Uh, because Clemson runs that a version of their quick game where everything is, it really helps simplify things. You know, the ball is up and gone a lot of times. Um, and you see that a lot. Like I said before, everything Lawrence does is fast. Sometimes he's a little too fast. Uh, and so there are times where he's not throwing with a firm base or, you know, he plays a little more rushed than efficient. So he needs to get better there, but it's more about how Clemson operates with their offensive play calling, uh, you know, with that quick game scheme. Uh, and, you know, the the topic of the surrounding talent with uh, the receivers, the offensive line, the running backs, I feel like we're going to have that conversation about every single quarterback prospect we talk about, uh, good and bad, you know, talking about Wilson and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I mean, it's, it's a topic, you know, because we don't talk enough about how quarterback – is very much a dependent position uh, in terms of putting up, you know, Trevor Lawrence has 90 touchdown passes uh, in his career at at, uh, at Clemson. That's tied with Deshaun Watson for second most in school history. You're not making 90 touchdown passes without a little bit of help from, uh, you know, the offensive line to give you time, the receivers to make plays, and then a running game to help keeping the defense honest. So, you know, it's a team effort. There's no question. And quarterback is dependent on everything else going on around him. But that, I don't think that, you know, that doesn't mean you can't evaluate a player based off his talent alone. And is he still making the correct reads? Is he still making accurate throws? Um, you know, how is he conducting himself on the field? Uh, you know, is he using that talent uh, to the best of his abilities, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, move the offense? Or is he leaving production on the field? Is, you know, some of the mental mistakes holding him back? So I, I still think that we can evaluate these guys uh independent of their supporting cast. It's not always easy, but I think we can do it.
0: One final question on Lawrence, and it can be a one-word answer. He's the highest-graded prospect for you at the quarterback position since blank.
1: It's so tough to do this, Uh, you know, because, you know, even like going to last year against Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Burrow nowhere near the physical talent um, that Trevor Lawrence is, but in terms of the way he processes things and sees the field, know he's just he's top tier you know he's as good as it gets and so how do you how do you weigh that you know i think they're in similar conversations for me uh personally um i mean you can you can go all the way back to to andrew luck when you you know try to compare these guys it's it's really tough because i think it comes down to what do you uh you know value the most at the position uh you know lawrence he's really talented plus he has upside um joe burrow really talented just in a different way so it's tough to do this. I mean, I, I think that he is, you know, the best quarterback we've seen in the last five years um, in, in terms of talent-wise. But, you know if, if, you know, if you had to win one game right now, um, I'm taking a healthy Joe Burrow over uh, Trevor Lawrence. And that's just because Joe Burrow is just a better quarterback right now. So it's it makes for some really interesting debates when you try to, you know, compare him to past quarterbacks that have gone high in the draft.
0: After the number one quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, I feel like different evaluators have a different list. So they, some have clusters of players. Some have a clear cut number two prospect, which is it for you?
1: For me, there's a clear cut number two. And you know, it's been that way since the fall, uh, Zach Wilson out of BYU. Uh, I took a lot of heat in October when I said, listen, this guy is, he's in the mix for that number two quarterback, uh, this year. Uh, and then in November, my first mock draft, I had him going number two, uh, and, you know, I took some heat for it, but I, I, that, that's, just, that's just what I see. And, you know, I think I can justify it with uh, the way he's played this year. And Zach Wilson is really, really interesting because, uh, you know, he did not face a murderer's row competition in terms of the schedule. Um, but when you break down his skill set, um, you know, he, he doesn't have a huge arm, but he's got a whip of an arm so he can, you know, fire off these strikes while on the move. His, uh, he can play within the pocket, but his off platform stuff is outstanding. Um, his ability to make those quick, uh, those quick decisions on the move, but still be accurate is so impressive. And so he doesn't have the ideal body type. He's, he's a little narrow through his core, uh, doesn't have a ton of growth potential. You know, he's never going to be more than, you know, 215 pounds probably, but you know, so the word, the body type, not perfect. But you look at the strengths of his game, natural accuracy, uh, the off-platform stuff, and again, I, I did really want to, you know, hit on this. It's the ability to make great spontaneous decisions. That's what really sells it for me. That's that's what Bill Walsh always talked about, legendary Hall of Fame coach. That's what separated Joe Montana from everybody else. And I'm not comparing Zach Wilson and Joe Montana necessarily, saying they're the same quarterback. But that's what Bill Walsh always talked about is, you know, what separated the top quarterbacks that he worked with in his mind is the ability to make those great spontaneous decisions. To me, with Zach Wilson, that's what he offers with his ability to move around make plays with the legs and his feet. He's putting the ball in, in a spot. And so does he need to develop in, with some of his reads and some of his movements and being a little more uh, you know efficient from within the pocket? Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying Zach Wilson is a polished player by any means, but the way his arm works and his ability to, with his legs and his arm, I'm going to bet on those traits.
0: So with Wilson, what is realistic? You know, if you were the jets and you did end up selecting Zach Wilson, number two, overall, what could you expect from day one, considering the level of competition that he played and just his skill set matched up in this Michael floor offense as well.
1: I think you expect him to come in and, and compete from day one uh, to, to get on the field. Uh, you don't, decide you know when you draft him and say okay well he's gonna start on the bench or he's gonna start midseason or you know whatever you, you don't don't make those decisions before you get to training camp let him get to training camp let him uh, you know fight it out I, I think this is a guy that's he's well versed in different uh, you know different schemes with what DYU asked him to do uh, you watch the tape you see them traditional eye formation under center you see five wide option plays. You see, you know, he's an RPO based offense. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it is something that it will translate heavy play action scheme. So he was asked to do a little bit of everything um, in that BYU offense. And I think that'll help him adapt to the uh, NFL playbook. And, you know, whoever drafts uh, Zach Wilson, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and, you know, compete. We don't know uh, what that quarterback depth chart's going to look like, uh, you know, in, in New York uh, in, in August. But he's a guy that I think is going to compete for snaps in training camp.
0: So one last question about Wilson. Do you feel like the biggest question in regards to his play is his size? And second, what about him? And we'll get into this a little more. Makes him your clear-cut number two as opposed to being in a cluster with some of the other prospects.
1: Yeah, the, the narrow frame um, is certainly a worry. Like, I think he plays an overdrive sometimes. Um, you know, just needs to stay within himself. He'll, you know, prematurely bail from a pocket before he needs to, uh, you know, sometimes his mechanics will get a little wild. Uh, that doesn't bother me as much because I think he's, he's naturally accurate. And so, you know, even if his, his shoulder or his hips are a little off, he's still able to be accurate with his passes. Um, you know, the body type that does lead to some durability concerns. Uh, you know, he had a uh, labrum surgery on his, on his right, his throwing shoulder, uh, which was actually an injury from high school. That he had cleaned up uh, when he got to college, so you know it, it's something that you worry about with a guy that size. Uh, but you know, it it, it it he didn't miss many games uh, in college, so I, I think the biggest reason why, for me personally, and you know, I there are plenty of smart people around the NFL who I trust who believe you know there's another quarterback who's the number two, whether that's Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever. For me, Zach Wilson is the guy because of what I mentioned early, and that's, earlier, and that's the ability to make the great spontaneous decision. To me, that separates him from Fields and Lance and the rest of these quarterbacks. Uh, the movement skills, off-platform, uh, the ability to be naturally accurate, I think it really fits what teams are looking for in today's NFL.
0: Lawrence won. Wilson too. That leaves Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. Do you have them in the order I just said? And how much leapfrogging can there be between now and April's draft?
1: Well, yeah, I think that it's really tough with these next three quarterbacks because uh, you know I think Lance and Fields to me they're 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 kind of neck and neck fighting for the three and four spots. Um, you know, Lance is such an unprecedented evaluation when you talk about a player's got 17 career starts. Okay. Well, Mac Jones has 17 career starts, but Max Jones did it in the sec. Trey Lance did it against FCS competition. Uh, you know, a lot of times those, you know, North Dakota state they'll face at least one FBS team. Trey Lance doesn't have that. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, we had a chance to see at the senior bowl. Trey Lance doesn't have that. Uh, you know, it, it's a player that's supremely gifted uh, with uh, you know, uh, his athleticism for that size, uh, his ability to make throws. Uh, it seems like he processes things very well. I think he has some natural passing instincts, but it's still a player that, uh, you know, there are a lot of one read and run uh, type of plays on his film. Uh, the North Dakota state offense, they ran, you know, they, it's a, still a run first offense. Uh, you know, they're not going to change that based on the quarterback. So, you know, there are a lot of things that I thought helped protect him at, in college, that it's going to be completely different in the NFL, but nonetheless, the talent is outstanding. And so I, it's gonna take a little bit of time, I think, so he can adjust to the play speed uh, and some of the complexities of the NFL. but I, I see a player who's poised who makes smart decisions, um, and he you know, he's still he's still young. I mean, he's still he, he doesn't turn 21 until May. Um, so he's 20 years old right now. and so the meager experience is something that is really tough to to reconcile, but the talent is is off the charts. And so I think, you know Trey Lance, it, you know, some teams will have him as a number two quarterback. I, I absolutely believe that. Justin Fields, uh, similar conversation in terms of teams are all over the map. Some teams really like him. Some teams see him as, you know, they, they don't see him as a first-round pick. You know, they see him as a guy that you consider in rounds two through four. So it's a really difficult conversation uh, when there's such variance on these players. But with Justin Fields, I think he's an easy player to like when you, you look at the talent, the competitive toughness. Um, a a player that when things are on time, his tempo, his rhythm, his accuracy is on point. And I thought that Ohio State offense really helped uh, keep things on schedule. But when things got off schedule, that's where he struggled a little bit. When that first target's taken away, um, you know, that when he's forced to move his eyes and improvise, I, I he just wasn't as comfortable. Um, he didn't execute at the same type of level. And so for me, that's why, you know, Justin Fields isn't two for me. He's, he's in that three, four discussion. Now I think he can get better in those areas. Um, You know, I think he will get better in those areas. And the talent is, you know, you're going to bet on that talent. Um, And the intangibles are are, are what you can get on board with, you know, a type of guy that's a, you know, can rally the team. Um, You know, he's, he's a true leader in the huddle. So there's a lot of things going for both Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields. I think it just comes, it's going to, a big part is going to be the interviews and finding out, uh, you know, where are they mentally in their development? Um, You know, with both fields and Lance, um, you know, you would assume that, uh, you know, one would assume that uh, fields would be more ahead just, you know, in terms of playing at Ohio state the last two years. But I, you know, you talk to people that are are close with Trey Lance and uh, you know, you get a better sense for what the coaches asked him to do in terms of preparation and, uh, understanding coverages and setting protections. And, you know, he might actually be a little more advanced, even though it came at the FCS level. So uh, these two quarterbacks are fascinating and the interview process over the next month is really going to, you know, carry a lot of weight with how teams ultimately uh, grade these two players.
0: And then where does Mac Jones fit into the equation of this quarterback class as well?
1: Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to like about Mac Jones. Um, uh, I, I think, the easiest way to sell somebody on Mac Jones is okay. Let's list the most important traits at the quarterback position. At the top, the first two: mental processing and accuracy. Those are the two most important traits. Mac Jones has both of those, um, and so you just have to decide: is he good enough in the other areas where you know it's not? Those other areas aren't going to hold him back. Because he has the first two. He's very accurate. He can anticipate. He can make quick decisions. He's poised in the pocket. He understands what the defense is doing. Uh, Yes, he did have elite talent around him with the running back, uh, the running game, the offensive line, the uh, receivers, the play calling. He still has to make the reads. He still has to make the throws. And he did it at a very high level. So uh, he's not the athlete, uh, ideally, that, that you're looking for. Um, he doesn't, you know, there's nothing explosive about his game, nothing dynamic about his game, but he's smart, he's efficient and he doesn't make mistakes. And so that, that's, there are certain teams that will value that over, uh, some other teams that are looking for more of an upside type of quarterback. So it, it's a really inter- interesting, juxtaposition between some of these quarterbacks. Um, and I, and I think it, it might come down to what your roster looks like. Uh, You know, if you're a team like the Saints, uh, you know, kind of a ready-made offense where you just need to plug in that quarterback, Mac Jones will make a lot more sense as opposed to another team where maybe the offensive personnel, uh, the offensive line, the targets, the running game isn't as established and you need your quarterback to do a little bit more. So Mac Jones, I I think, is going to be a first round pick for some teams and maybe a guy uh, that teams don't consider as highly uh, just based off the personnel and where they are with their roster management.
0: That is fantastic breakdowns. And i I got a couple questions. You mentioned Lance first, so let's just start with him. You kind of talked about it, how difficult of an evaluation it is for someone that was a redshirt freshman, then had a fantastic 2019. I mean, you look at his stats. I think I have him up here real quick. 2000. 786 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, not a single interception, then also over 1,000 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. And also he won the Walter Payton and Jerry Rice Awards in 2019. If your name is with Walter Payton or Jerry Rice, let alone both, you did something right. So for Trey Lance to have that kind of numbers and then really have this season taken from him, how difficult of an evaluation is it? And also, based on hearing what you said about Trey Lance, do you think he's best suited to sit behind somebody for a year, or we just don't know the answer to that because he's such an enigma?
1: It, well, like I said, it's it's unprecedented. We've never seen a situation like this. Um, he set the NCAA all-division record for most pass attempts in a season without an interception. Um, you know, he, he, that what he did in 2019 is just remarkable. Uh, I mean, you laid out the stats. It, it's really, really impressive. Um, and it's also worth noting that they won a national title that year. They were seven, you know, he went 16 and 0, uh, that season. Uh, and then he also picked up a win this past year. They had a one game season, basically one game fall season. And he, he didn't look amazing in that one game. Uh, there was obvious rust, but I think it says something that he played his best in the fourth quarter. Uh, once he got settled in a little bit and uh, you could really kind of show off his talent. So, you know, there, there's so much going for him. It's just, you know, how do you reconcile the lack of uh, experience and lack of competition? It's something that teams are going to value differently. Um, And I I think just looking on the surface, you would say, okay, well, yeah, he needs to sit, he needs to learn, but you talk to, you know, I was talking to his quarterback coach uh, Quincy Avery uh, a few weeks ago and he, he told me he's he, he feels like he's uh you know more ready than than any of these quarterbacks and you know of course he's his quarterback trainer he's going to say that but you know he explained why saying how far advanced he is in terms of uh, between the years uh with what North Dakota State asked him to do uh, in his preparation in terms of understanding the defense and breaking down what he was asked to do so you know in some ways uh, I think he might even be more prepared and I think that's going to show through during the interview process. Uh, which is going to help Trey Lance. So really interesting uh, evaluation here because it, the resume is unbelievable. But again, uh, it's the lack of experience uh, against top competition is something that we've never really seen before. And we've seen big level quarterbacks come from the FCS level, uh, you know, with Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo go back to, uh, you know, Steve Air McNair. I mean, we, we've seen it before but not a guy that was a redshirt sophomore that was only 20 years old and had only 17 career starts. Uh, You know, just that, that is really rare and something that, you know, some teams are going to be maybe a little skittish about that. Other teams are going to buy in.
0: So one more question on Lance before I hit you with a fields question, a Jones question and then we can get to some fan questions with Lance. Let's say he has a great pro day. Obviously he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. So most quarterbacks you would assume look good, but let's say he looks the part. How much of a hype train can there be between now and April to where people are saying, well, Trey Lance might not only be, you know, the third or fourth best quarterback, he might be, let's say, the second best quarterback behind someone like Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah, and first off, I've been saying this since the fall. The the number one quarterback I think is, is set quarterbacks two, three, four, and now five, there's not going to be a consensus. Okay. Every team's going to have a different order um, you know, based off of what they're looking for, what they evaluate the position, their appetite for risk. So, you know, I don't think there's going to be any type of consensus on quarterbacks two, three, four, five. Uh, there's a lot of differing opinions. And I'm not even sure that the pro day is going to necessarily uh you know charge up that that hype train even more I, I think the things that are really going to create some movement with teams with these quarterbacks is going to happen behind closed doors and that's well, really it's going to happen between computers uh and that's going to be the zoom interviews um and it's and it's interesting because this year teams are only allowed to talk to each prospect five times uh virtually through the zoom and you know in the past it was limitless uh i mean you could take these guys out for dinner before the pro day invite them to your facility uh you know go work them out on campus i mean there are so many ways that you could work them out get to know them better understand who they are as people and and as players this year, it's limited, and so each team's going to have to really, uh, you know, boil it down to some hard questions about what they want to figure out about these players, and I think those interviews over the next month are really going to determine the, the way these quarterbacks are graded from team to team and the order they come off the board.
0: All right, and then in terms of Justin Fields, it feels like, you have said this to me before too, there are people out there who either love him or they hate him, and if you watch the Clemson game, you love him. Threw for six touchdowns. If you watch him against Indiana earlier in the season, you're probably like, mm, I don't know what people are seeing in Justin Fields, but Justin Fields in Columbus, 63 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 20 and two, a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2019. And you said it in your answer earlier. There's a. Lot, it's easy to like Justin Fields, so it seems. So why does it feel like? Whenever somebody's talking about Justin Fields, it feels like the stock arrow is pointing down compared to Wilson or Lance, where and even Mac Jones, where it feels like their arrows are pointing up.
1: Well, I I, I think the the perception is is either you love them or you hate them. When in reality. You know, with all these quarterbacks, it's not that black and white. It's, you know, there's a lot of middle ground where, you know, you you can really like a player while also thinking they need to get better in certain areas. Because I I really like Zach Wilson, but I do think he needs to get better uh, in some areas. Same thing with Trey Lance, with Mac Jones, and and with Justin Fields. I mean, there's there's so much to like about Fields. He looks the part. He's a well-strapped-together athlete. Um, you know, I think he, when you know, within structure, his touch, his accuracy are outstanding. Strong enough arm, he can drive the football when he steps into his throws. Uh, he creates that torque through his hips, so he can just you know throw it, 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 a lot more ropes than rainbows uh, down the field. Really, really accurate down the field as a as a deep passer. Um, he recognizes DB assignments. You can see it the way he places the football away from uh, defenders. And I think he's you know, the toughness, uh, you know, watching that Clemson game, the toughness that he showed uh, really, really outstanding. He was a team captain. Um, you know, Ryan Day speaks really highly of his mindset and the way he carries himself. Uh, and then the production, um, you know, you look at, it, at his, uh, his career record, 20 and two uh, at Ohio State as a starter. So and in, in his only two losses were both in the college football playoffs. So. This is a winner. This is a guy that is a leader. Um, the intangibles are there. It just comes down to, uh, you know, fe- feeling great about his development um, above the ears and, or excuse me, above the neck and being able to uh, develop that field vision, uh, be- become a little more diversified with the way he sees the field. Um, it- it- I think he can get there. It's just a little bit more of a projection in my mind compared to Zach Wilson or, uh, you know, some of these other quarterbacks.
0: All right, let's hit some fan questions now, because uh, there's some good ones out there, and let's keep on the quarterback theme here. Justin wants to know how big of an issue is it that Zach Wilson played against lesser competition, and obviously there are examples on both sides of, of the the argument here in terms of players that succeeded and and uh, and played lesser competition. Josh Allen comes to my mind of a couple of years ago. And so that's just one pro example. There are other con examples, but to you or as an evaluator, is this an issue?
1: It's all relative, you know, I, yeah, it's it's the same question about, okay, well, Mac Jones, how do you evaluate him with the elite talent that he had around him? You know, it's, it's kind of like one way or the other, you know, if you talk to people, some people about Mac Jones, well, his talent props him up. And then you talk to some people by Zach Wilson. Oh, well, you know, he didn't play anybody. Well, okay. It's it just, it's, you know, so you can say the same thing about, um, you know, with Mac Jones, with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson and uh, Justin Fields at Ohio state. Um, you know, there's certainly talent around him that helped them. And at BYU, there's no question he had talent around him, but it's all relative where he didn't have, he doesn't have five stars um, around him at BYU. So even though he's not facing that top tier competition, I, who else on that offense is going to be a top fifty draft pick? No one. Uh, you know, maybe the left tackle. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a top one hundred pick. Maybe, but you know, that's it. We're not talking about an offense that is loaded with future NFL players. So, uh, even though he did not face top competition, and in a perfect world, you know, we'd have we we've been able to see him play, you know, ten games against the uh, you know ten uh, you know really good defenses at the college level. It's just not that easy. I, I think we can still evaluate the quality of throws, his thought process, things like that without, you know, just saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter because, you know, he didn't, he, he's not facing top competition. So, um, you know, I think that these things, these uh, discussions are all relative in terms of competition. Um, and, you know, not, not every prospect is gift wrapped to us in transparent wrapping paper. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to figure them out.
0: Well said. I like this next question. This this question, had it not been asked, I would have asked you this. Rafa wants to know, is Zach Wilson a better prospect than Sam Darnold? Whew. And yeah. also, let me add this in there. Where would Sam rank if he were a prospect this year in your top five?
1: Yeah, and it, it's so hard because uh, obviously we have a sample size of um, – of Sam Darnold as an NFL player. And so, you know, it's it's hard to eliminate that from our thoughts completely and only focus on, uh, you know, what we thought of him coming out of college. Um, I, I was a big Sam Darnold fan. Uh, he was my top quarterback that year, uh, you know, just based off of the talent. And I still think that talent is there, um, you know, and I'm still a big believer in him. Um, but, you know, he went to a situation that was tough uh, w- with the Jets where, you know, he didn't always – you know, you wonder about the, you know, the talent around him, the offensive line, uh, you know, the coaching, what they were asking him to do. You, you really wonder about, uh, you know, just where he is in his development. Did he Is he taking a step back? Is he able to, you know, still realize that talent? So I've got a lot of questions about Sam Darnold because I, I love the talent, his ability to throw with anticipation, his ability to uh, move and improvise, reset his eyes, and be accurate down the field i mean these things he put on tape i I did worry about the turnovers that was something uh on his usc tape that you worried about and that's something that is translated so some guys are able to uh you know cut back on some of those bad mistakes and, and get better matt ryan being one of them threw a lot of picks at boston college was able to become a little bit more uh conservative and uh thoughtful with his decisions in the nfl Sam Darnold, not there yet. So uh, it's a really tough discussion because, again, we have a sample size of of Sam as an NFL player. Um, You know, I I think if I have to choose between the two uh, in terms of just as prospects, um, I I think it'd be a tight race. I really do. I think they'd be graded very, very similar for me.
0: So with that being said, before we get to the final fan question, I'm going to have you put your GM hat on for a minute here. You have three options. Okay. Option A – You stay at number two. You pick a non-quarterback player. So you want to take someone like Panay Sewell. You want to take your top graded offensive playmaker for you, Kyle Pitts. Whoever may may that be. Doesn't matter. Option two. You trade down from two. You keep Sam as your quarterback in 2021. Let's say in this hypothetical, you move back to number eight with the Panthers. You get their second-round pick in future capital. Or option three. You stay at two. You take a quarterback for you. That would be Zach Wilson, and then you would trade Sam Darnold. Which are you doing, and why?
1: Well, yeah. If I'm if I'm Joe Douglas, I you know obviously I've been in this role for um, you know over a year now, so I think I have a good feel for Sam and just you know what has his development been like. Obviously, we, we see what happens uh, on Sundays on the field. But what about Sam between uh, between games, uh, between you know, during the week uh, in meeting rooms, and you know where is he mentally? Um, that would give me a much better uh, assessment of where of where he is and whether or not he can ascend under this new coaching staff and when you know there's better talent around him. So I, I think that's that's first and foremost. Um, you know, if, if I was not convinced, um, even if I thought you know he could ascend, if I was not convinced that he would. Then I think the option to reset the franchise with a new quarterback is the direction I would want to go. And then it comes down to: okay, is there a quarterback in this class that I feel strongly enough about that I feel can be that quarterback? And you know, in my opinion, Zach Wilson could be that guy. And you know, obviously, the medicals have to check out. We have to be comfortable with you know his shoulder. Um, you know, I want to be able to talk to him, find out more about. Uh, you know, how we'd be a fit culture-wise with our new coaching staff. So there's a lot of, you know, connecting the dots here that we would need to do. I don't think it's as simple as just, oh, yeah, he's the guy. Um, as GM, there's so many different factors you have to you have to really consider here. Um, but I think I would lean towards resetting the franchise with a new quarterback. And, you know, with what we know, with the knowledge that I have right now talking to you, I think Zach Wilson would be that guy.
0: All right. Fair enough. Well said. And we're going to talk about different scenarios and whatever. And as you can see, Dan said, giving Sam protect- protection, could we see a nice jump? That's like the biggest question. And we're actually going to skip over this, and we're going to go in the wide receiver direction for the final question. But I just want, to, want it to be known that we will be breaking down different scenarios for the Jets when we do our seven-round mock draft in a couple of weeks. I mean, there's a lot of doors that we can – Open and we plan on opening them. But to wrap up the quarterbacks episode, which has been a juicy episode, we're actually going to focus on some wide receivers. Michael wants to know what rounds two through four wide receiver prospects should the Jets be looking for? It seems like San Francisco likes players who can separate, but Green Bay likes bigger receivers. And I think Michael is saying this because Michael LaFleur, the Jets' offensive coordinator, comes from San Francisco, where Kyle Shanahan runs the Shanahan offense. But then Mike's older brother Matt Lafleur is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and there's clearly two different kind of styles there. So, with that being said, Dane, are there some receiver prospects rounds two through four that you think that Jets fans should become a little more familiar with?
1: Uh, definitely, and you know we'll see how how active they are over the next month in terms of you know adding or subtracting from that wide receiver depth chart. But uh, a player I'd love to see uh, in New York, uh, Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Uh, you know, he he reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. So if you want to make that San Francisco connection, uh, you know, that could be it. Uh, you know, he he's a guy that uh, is very very reliable. Uh, catches the ball in stride. Uh, really does a nice job becoming quickly becoming a ball carrier. And he he looks like a running back uh, with his play speed and his play toughness. So uh, he has a little bit of shake to him. He can make guys miss. Um, you know, he's, there's maybe some question about, can he be an outside receiver or is he a slot only? All I know is this guy's a big time competitor with the play strength the acceleration that reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. So I think that would be, um, you know, a, a, a natural fit, a guy that can you know help you out on special teams as well. Um, and then another player who could maybe give you that deep threat if that's what they want to go, the direction they want to go, Deami Brown out of North Carolina. Who averaged over 20 yards a catch the last two years? He, he's one of the best double move receivers in this draft. Has a real knack for it. Really, really skilled, um, fast. He can track the football. Uh, needs to be more consistent uh, in terms of the underneath game and just you know uh, eliminating those drops and, and being more consistent. But you know, what's what we're talking about probably in the third round. And so, if I'm getting a talent like this, uh, you know, I, I think he could be a guy that takes the top off a of defense. Uh, you know, it could be my, my deep threat, uh, a guy that can really stretch out that that uh, the the secondary, the coverage and help out uh, my other receivers, uh, create some underneath passing windows just with the threat of his deep speed. So uh, De'Ami Brown, I think, is an ascending player that isn't getting enough love when talking about the top receivers in this class.
0: And we will absolutely be breaking down the top receivers in this class as we inch forward to the draft. Dang, that was a juicy quarterback episode jets fans are going to have their hands full they're going to have their ears (laughs) full but that's okay we're here to bring the juice you know one last question for you yeah Um, non-draft related the jets they have the second most projected cap space in the nfl you kind of mentioned free agency it's around the corner is there a player that you would like to see in green and white i'm throwing you i'm putting you on the spot here we haven't even discussed this so if there's not then no (laughs) then it's fine but if there is a player i'm just kind of curious um, You know, I, I,
1: don't, I haven't put much thought into it. Thought into it, to be honest. I mean, I, I think one thing that we have to consider here is at quarterback. You know, is there a quarterback? You know, if they go in the direction of moving on from Sam Darnold and bringing in a rookie, you obviously need to bring in some type of veteran. Um, And who, you know, is that going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is that going to be? Uh, you know who is that quarterback? So I, I think that might not be. You know we're not talking about a huge signing here in terms of you know contract wise, but I, that's going to be a pretty important decision. It, you know, is it Alex Smith? Is it you know who is it? Who is that uh, that quarterback that's going to come in? And you know even if you are sticking with Sam Darnold, who, who's going to help that quarterback room? Uh, just in terms of pushing the young guys and bringing an extra, almost like an extra coach in there. You want that veteran awareness. So uh, I, I think that could be one of the more understated, uh, you know, directions that the Jets could go in free agency.
0: All right. I dig it. We'll see what happens right around the corner. March 15th, the negotiation window opens. March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Free agency opens at 4 p.m. The Jets right now, second most projected cap space. I know we're talking draft, but the off season, is going to be very exciting a lot of moving pieces and we'll break it down and mostly here with the draft all here with the draft and that was another episode of nfl draft preview with the athletics dane brugler dane thanks a lot see you next week
1: thanks Ethan.